the last several weeks, I've been preaching and teaching on engaging culture. And we've been in the book of Daniel, looking at the life of Daniel and his companions being in a a perverse society and culture and how to navigate in that perverse culture that's anti-God, that's anti their God. And, And how the Lord allowed these guys to navigate through the most uh, confusing and difficult circumstances, how the Lord was working through their life for his glory. And, and we have to understand that God is not taken, by, by, God's not taken off guard by p- politics. God is not somehow nervous about our political system. The Lord has already revealed in his word how this whole thing goes down. And and what we need to be doing is sitting at the, the waterfall of his thoughts, which is his word, listening to his word and letting that be truth in our hearts and our mind and living our life out of that reality. Not what you watch on CNN or Fox News. I'm going to tell you, what you see in the, in, on the news, in the newsroom, you need to bring it to the prayer room and get a real word. Seriously. There's two rooms. God hit me with this, man. I'm sitting there running on the treadmill. Here's the newsroom. I'm like, that needs to be in the prayer room, man. I'm like, you keep listening to that, you'll want to kill yourself. You know? I'm like, let me go seek God. So the Lord has just been, you know, showing me and teaching us through Daniel how we engage culture, and the direction that I, I want to go in tonight with the, the, the time that we have, not a lot of time, I'm not going to be able to get through all this, but I want to start talking about this a little bit. Um, if you, as you're reading, and I would encourage you guys to go back, start in Daniel chapter 1, and read the whole thing. Daniel is an apocalyptic book. It, 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 it starts out talking about how to engage culture, how Daniel has to uh, trust the Lord. And man, it's such a dynamic story of faith and, and, and you know, situations where Daniel looks like he's going to be killed for his faith. And, and it's a, an amazing story. And then it, it climaxes with the Lord giving Daniel uh, dreams and interpretations about things that are going to happen in the future. I mean, dude, this stuff's make a movie out of it, you know? And, and Daniel fits nicely with Revelation. And we're in a time right now where there's a lot of people talking about like end time stuff and, and the last days and, and when's Jesus coming back and all of it's good and all of it is awesome. And I think it's good to have discussion for us to, to talk about these things. But let me tell you what we don't need to do is walk around with fear. No, that's right. Yeah, come on. I'm going to tell you. You know what? I was sitting out with Ben at surf camp, you know, on the beach and watched one person allow fear to come over them. And you could see everybody on the beach started freaking out because they thought some, a little girl was away from the parents, the grandparents. And they're thinking the, the, the worst. She's drowned. Instead of realizing that nine and ten year old kids who are, not, who are checked out just wander off to the parking lot, you know. But you could watch what happened when fear begins to spread. It controls people. And what does the word say? Jesus said, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. 
that you can't watch this stuff on television in the news and what's happening in the media and allow a spirit of fear to control you. You have love, power, and a sound mind to take every thought captive that's trying to exalt itself over the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So tonight I want to talk to you, and, and over the next several weeks we're going to be looking at um, the book of Revelation, and we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what, what does some of these, these end-time conversations look like. And, and what I don't want to do is I'm not just going to push just my theological position on you. I, I want to read the Word. I want us to look at it. And, and I want you to, to hear from the Lord. I'll give you what I, what I see, how I interpret, how, you know, years of study and reading uh, people who I trust. And, and, and I do have uh, my belief system about it. But I realize, too, that people have been arguing over this book for a long time, you know? And I'm not interested in arguing. I'm interested in getting to truth. I'm interested in praying through, getting to truth, and us working together for the greater good of reaching the world. So the first thing I want to talk about tonight is I want to open up talking about eschatology. And here's the phrase I want you to hear. Victory of the Lamb. That no matter what is happening, no matter as much as you read in this book, no matter how many times you read where there's persecution or there's suffering or there's struggle, the thing I want you to understand, the lamb has already won the victory. And that means you and I need to read this with a certain lens. We need to look at this with a, with a certain worldview when we come and read the book. You know, in a sentence... I want to read to you from Revelation chapter 1. Turn here with me real quick. Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 5 first. I like hearing the pages, man. It's so good. You know, I'm not anti-iPad. We got one, but we don't just rely on that. The power goes out. <laughs> They'd be like, I ain't read my Bible in two weeks, man. Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to actually start halfway down in verse 5. It says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom, say kingdom, and priests, say priests, to serve his God and Father. Three things here that stand out to me. The first thing is that I need to understand is that he loves me. Jesus loves me this I why because the bible tells me so see Jesus loves people and it is a, it is amazing to me at how many people walk around confused thinking that God's love is so conditional when i read the book says his love is unconditional and so they beat themselves up on a daily basis or a weekly basis measuring themselves and comparing themselves Instead of seeing themselves the way the Father sees them, he says, I love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to die for you. What more does he have to do to prove his love to us? He gave us his best. He sent his one and only son to die for us. There is nothing else he can do. He can't raise somebody from the dead and that actually prove more love. It can't. The only thing that could prove his unconditional love to you and I was his son dying for you. He says he has freed us from our sin. So the first thing you got to get down inside of you as a follower of Jesus is how much he loves you. The second thing you need to understand is he came to free you from sin. The victory of the lamb 
was to free us from sin. And you know how many times for years I would live my life thinking, well, one day I'll be free in the sweet by and by, but what about today? Do I have to live in bondage today? He went to the cross, but I still have to stay shackled to my anger, my bitterness, my pride, my lust addiction, or my whatever, the, just fill in the blank. Jesus went to the cross to free us from sin. Now, my situation right now, I might not be free right now, but that doesn't mean that it's still not true. Just like if somebody tries to argue with me about the existence of a place called China, just because I've never physically been there doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's still true. Jesus came to free us from sin. And I really feel like in my heart, someone needs to just take that into their spirit tonight. That you're not called to walk around with an incurable sin disease. That's incurable. I, I lived that way for a lot of years. I had things in my life that I was like, well, I just resolved. Well, I guess I, guess I just have to live with this until I die. And then, then, then the blood will be effective enough. No, Jesus went to the cross to die for my sin, to put his spirit inside of me so now I could govern my flesh by the power of his spirit. Because Paul said, I'll put to death the misdeeds of the flesh by the spirit. I will crucify this flesh by the spirit. There's not another way to do it. Willpower won't get it done. Your willpower will, will, will fail you every time. It's kind of like, you know, when you say, you know, you, you're not going to go to Marble Slab no more. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. You're like, oh, bring on the chunky monkey. <laughs> Willpower fails. Here's the third thing he said. We're made to be a kingdom. We're made to be a kingdom of priests. God is setting up his kingdom, his rule, and his reign it's his politics. It's his economy. And I assure you, it looks vastly different than what we have seen. It's not full of pride. It's not full of arrogance. You don't get to the top by stepping on people. You don't have to lie, cheat, and steal to get your way. Jesus laid his life down, made himself of no reputation, emptied himself out, and was not afraid to give power away. Imagine that. He's like, you know what? I'm actually going to let you do what I do, but even greater things. I'm going to let you. He's not afraid to let you pray for the sick and raise the dead. He's not afraid. He made us to be a kingdom of priests. I know a lot of people who will try to serve God. They'll try to do things for God, but they've not understood that God wants them to just love him and worship him. It's like, I'm going to do a lot of stuff for God. And then they find themselves empty because they haven't just been with him and loved him and ministered to him as a priest. You know, it's so powerful. You look at the life of David. And David was a king. And he derobed himself in his authority and allowed himself to look foolish in front of people to give worship, ridiculous worship to his God. You know, and how many times have we been in that moment where we're wanting, here, here's no, there's no, uh, you know, I'm not trying to put anybody under any pressure, faults, you know, you know, you have to do something to, to please God like that. But 
But how many times have you been in that place of worship where you're like, man, I want to give, I want to express more of my love to him, but then you don't because of the fear of how you're going to be perceived. What's controlling you? Are you moved by the gratitude or are you moved by how people see you? I'm going to be moved by the gratitude in my heart for him. I'm going to be like that, that leper who returns and says, I want to be made whole. I don't want to just be healed, but I want to be whole. And, and, and Jesus said, were there not nine others who were cleansed? But someone came back to worship him, man, and abandoned himself to him. So Jesus loves us. He's freed us from sin. He's made us to be a kingdom of priests. And the real victory is what the lamb did for us. In talking about reaching the lost and engaging culture and going to the nations, it's imperative that we understand that the Lamb already has victory so that when I read Revelation, I don't allow fear to enter in. See, if I'm reading the book from the perspective of I'm on the team that's already won, not trying to win, already won, then I read it from a different perspective. A lot of people will dive into Revelation or they'll look at prophecy and it somehow stirs them up to become fearful. But let me, let me describe something to you about the children of Israel while they were in Egypt. When the wrath was being poured out, it didn't get poured out on the children of Israel. It was poured out on the Egyptians. God is not going to pour his wrath out on you, a child of God. Now, here's something you have to understand. The wrath of God and the wrath of man are two different things. God is not going to persecute his children, but man will persecute you for your faith. So I want to look at how do we endure suffering and persecution by the revelation of the victory of the Lamb. Look at Revelation chapter 5. I want to read to you a block of scripture here. Revelation chapter five, verse one. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with the seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy, say worthy, to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then look at what John sees. A lion of the tribe of Judah, but look at what he sees. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. This lion of the tribe of Judah came as a sacrificial lamb and was sacrificed. See, the way we gain real power and authority is we understand the price that's already been paid. 
Jesus paid the ultimate price so that we could truly live the ultimate life through his sacrifice. So here, and, and, and this is what I really want you to see in this particular passage. It says, no one was able to open the scroll. Not only were they not able to open it, they weren't able to look inside of it. They were, no one was found what? Worthy. You know what that tells me? That tells me Satan does not have the upper hand. Satan doesn't have the power to open the scroll. The beast doesn't have the power to break its seals. Who's in control? The Lord. The Lord is in control. When I read Revelation, I read Revelation understanding my God is in control because he is the only one worthy to open it and release what's inside of it. Isn't that good? It's just freeing. Revelation 1, 9. Listen at this. This is such a powerful verse. Because we can all understand this place right here. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God. Why was he on the island? Because of the word of God. And the testimony of Jesus. All right, I want to I want to connect I want to put I want to connect your uh, your cart to the engine here. Okay? I'll be the caboose. I'll come up in the rear. We'll get there together. If you break this apart for just a moment, John, the apostle, John, the pastor, John, the teacher, John, the disciple of Jesus, says, I am just like you, a companion, a brother. And guess what? I'm enduring suffering with you. What does that tell me is going on right now with this particular church. John received revelation for seven churches in modern day Turkey, okay? If you, if you look at Asia Minor, you find out that those seven churches he was writing to is modern day Turkey today. And you can actually go there today and go to those places where those churches were. And John says, you and I are sharing something in common. We are actually having to endure suffering. You know, a lot of Christians don't like to talk about suffering. But if you look at 90% of the world, you find out that suffering as a Christian is normal. If you go and do a very short fact check on, on just a Google search, just fact check persecution of Christians and get like the top five facts about that, you will find out that the majority of the people in the world who are enduring persecution are Christians. Not Buddhist, not Muslims, not any other faith. It's Christians. We don't feel that same tension typically in our culture right now. 
We've not felt that kind of culture of, of what it feels like to have some real resistance come against your faith. But here's what I feel like is imperative as, as a pastor, as a leader. I want to prepare for a hurricane that's coming so that my windows don't get blown in, so the house doesn't get destroyed. Or let me tell you this right now, maybe the windows do get blown in, but at least we made preparation for other things. The last thing I want to do is not prepare God's people for the pushback that's coming. Now, here's the thing that, that, that God is so gracious. Anytime there are sufferings that are going to occur, the Lord is so gracious to give warning. He's, he even reveals it in his word. Um, Jesus in John 16, 32, I want to read this to you. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 32. Listen to this. But a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered. Say scattered. Each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Listen at the resilience inside of Jesus. You are going to abandon me. I look physically alone, but I am never alone because my father's with me. We need that. We need that right now in America. We need that. Because we are constantly like, if somebody's not going with me and affirming me, I'm kind of like, you know, backing out. No. The father is with you. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. The enemy of your soul is fighting for the real estate of your mind. Just like being on that beach the other day, when that spirit of fear began to operate, the enemy wanted people's thoughts. But there were some cool believers there Lauren takes off running out to the end of the boardwalk and there's the little girl and can run back with a word saying, we've got her, she's okay. And what happens, fear is dispelled whenever someone's walking with truth. Fear has to leave when somebody steps up and walks, brings heralds, speaks truth. So Jesus is saying, I want you to walk with peace. Now, here's what I understand in this particular passage of Scripture. Jesus said that in this life you will have trouble. He does not extract out of this passage of Scripture that part called trouble. He promises to equip you with knowledge and understanding so that when trouble comes, you have peace. And man, I love the passage of Scripture. He is a good shepherd. That he gives us peace that passes all understanding. To guard what? our hearts, and our mind.
two places that the cancer of Satan wants to live is in our heart and in our mind. Look over in Daniel. If you got, you can flip back over there. I want to read this to you. Daniel chapter 7. If you don't have it, I'll we'll throw it up on the screen. I want you to see something here. The connection I want you to make is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth, the lamb being Jesus Christ was slain, was the victor over sin, death, and hell. He is the victor. He's not the defeated one. So as I process suffering, I'm going to process it through the fact that he's already won. Why would John feel the need, and this is the thing, John's not feeling the need to write this word of encouragement to these churches. You want to know who it is? It's Jesus. Jesus wants to tell his churches to not lose heart. It was prophesied in Daniel chapter 7 verse 21. Listen to what this says. Daniel had received a dream about what was coming in the future, and he was given this interpretation. It says, as I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people, those are called saints, and defeating them until the ancient of days came and pronounced judgment in favor, say favor, of the holy people, of the Most High, and when time came, when they possessed the kingdom, he gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on the earth. It will be different from all other kingdoms. It will devour the whole earth, trampling it and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, subdue three kings. Listen to this part. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. Now, I'm not trying to get into tonight all the eschatological points that could be made in that passage of Scripture. Here's what I want you to see right now. That God pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people. God pronounced judgment already, favor, on the holy people. But here's what we have to understand is that there was also a period of time where those saints endured persecution, suffering, hardship. But when we set our eyes on the one who already won the prize, we can endure hardship as a good soldier. Just like these men and women who go overseas and fight for the freedom of the other people, someone is paying a price on the front lines. Someone is suffering, someone is fighting, someone is laying down their time so that someone else can enjoy freedom. Does that make sense? But they've got their minds set on this reality that I, I'm fighting for freedom. It's not, a, it's not some vain fight, it's a fight with a real cause. Jesus warns the church of Smyrna. Look at this. Flip back over to Revelation chapter 2. We're doing ping pong Bible tonight. 
It will not be said of me in this house that we do not read the Bible. (laughs) Jesus is so good to his churches that he gives insight and warning before things are going to happen. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Look at this. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you into prison. Who put them in prison? The guy with horns. <laughs> he didn't look that way. You know what he looked like? He looked like a Roman Empire. He looked like a Roman soldier. That's what it looked like. See, the enemy was flowing through the system that was in place, but the Lord gives credit to where credit was really due. This was happening from the, the, other, the other team. The Bible says that the devil will put some of you into prison. Why? To test you. The Lord's not testing you. The devil wants to test you. He says to test you, and look at this, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. I think I was talking with Steve one day. We were talking about persecution. We were talking about those who do not love their lives so much to shrink back, even to death. And you'll hear some of them say, it'll only hurt for a moment. And then there's eternity. I want to extract a few phrases, a few words out of this passage of Scripture. Here's the first thing that Jesus spoke through John to the church of Smyrna. He says, do not be afraid. You know what? You do not need to be afraid of political persecution because of your stance and your faith about life. You do not need to be afraid because I'm going to tell you what's happening right now in our nation. If you begin to make a stand about truth, there's people coming after you. They're coming after your business. Don't think there's not a, there is a tension in a war that's happening. Yes, we must be wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove. The Lord will give you wisdom. But when that day comes that that actual persecution comes, you don't have to be afraid. Because the lamb was slain. Here's the next thing he pulls out. I pull out of here. Suffer. Suffering is not a negative word in the kingdom of God. Look at James chapter 1. Listen at what, how James talks about this. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Count it all joy. So Jesus is not wanting us as his church to be afraid. He wants us to understand that, yes, suffering um, will come, but we don't have to view suffering with those who have no hope. There are those who suffer who have no hope, but we in Christ do not suffer without hope. Here's the next thing I love in this particular passage of Scripture. 
Jesus tells the church of Smyrna, he says that, there, that he, you'll only be tested for those 10 days. You know what that tells me, man? The Lord puts a limit on things. He does not allow an unending persecution and suffering of his people. And he does bring justice, as it says in Daniel. In fact, in Daniel, it says that, that he would bring justice and that we will rule and reign with him. Jesus is the lamb who was slain, and by his victory, we too can have victory through the blood of the lamb. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, a scripture that we all have probably know so well. I just want to read this one, and then I'm going to close because it's already 650. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, and they overcame him. Who was the him? The devil. The enemy. It says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. But what did the word and the testimony of John, where did that get him? It got him to the island of Patmos. See, you got to understand something here. That whenever you begin to stand for the word and your testimony of him, there may be a season where it looks like you've gotten exiled. But the Lord is faithful to meet you on any island that someone tries to exile you to. There is no island. There is no jail cell. There is no place on the earth, heaven or hell, that his presence cannot find you. Is that not what David said? Even if I go down to the depths, your spirit will find me. That's why you don't have to be afraid, church. He says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. I want to pray specifically for something tonight. I want to pray for the nations for a moment. You guys, we, we help plant a work in northern Iraq right now. And... We have friends that are planting uh, churches in Vietnam. There's, there's, we need healthy, we need healthy perspective sometimes in the American church. We do. We need healthy perspective to understand how our brothers and sisters around the world are engaging culture. Okay. We're not to retreat to the prayer room to hide away from engaging culture. We're coming to the prayer room to get strategy from heaven to know how to go reach the culture. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I want to take a moment, I want us to pray over our own hearts. I want us to pray over our personal Christian walk. I want us to take a moment and pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who don't have the freedoms you and I get to share that we have something called freedom of speech. But every day I'm watching that being more censored and more taken away.
Don't watch the news and, and become jaded and misled. The majority of the world that is persecuted are followers of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's people who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah. This is not a fairy tale. This is not, you know, kumbaya. This is a reality from heaven that is colliding with the earth. And there are people that you're sitting next to right now. Right now, those of you who are watching on the live stream. The Bible says that two will be walking together and one will be taken and one will be left. Let's pray for just a moment. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you an inward witness that you are born again. That you have made Jesus the Lord of your life. The book of Revelation is about an overcoming church and an overcoming bride. And it's he who endures to the end shall be saved. It's he who endures to the end shall receive the crown of life. Don't buy into a commercialized Christianity that has no substance to it. It says just because you said some prayer or checked some box on a card that that means you're born again. No, you're born again when you have a divine exchange with heaven. When the Spirit of God comes into your spirit and you receive what Jesus did on the cross, the shedding of his blood for your sin. And if you've done that, then I want to tell you to take the next step right now. Determine right now that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. That he will not abandon you whenever the suffering comes or the persecution comes. Let's stop looking at things in our life in this time right now that we live in and think we're really being persecuted because somebody didn't Facebook me. Let's stop thinking that we're experiencing some kind of persecution when somebody didn't return your text message when you wanted them to. That's not persecution and that is not suffering. That is called you needing to receive healing and deliverance in your soul. To no longer be pushed around by your soul. To no longer allow insecurity and rejection and fear to govern your life. Suffering and persecution is when somebody comes up to you and says, you really believe that? Are you willing to die for it? My eyes were opened up on 9-11. My eyes were opened up when planes crashed into our buildings. And America was awake for about a year and a half. Churches were full. People were repenting. But something happens when the enemy backs off just a little bit to allow complacency to enter back in. Jesus went to the cross for you to live a victorious life, to be a representative of his kingdom, to be an ambassador of his kingdom.
Make no apologies. Make no excuses. Stick your chest out wide and bold and wear the cross victoriously because he wore it victoriously for you. Lord, I pray right now tonight that each and every one of us in this room and those in the sound of my voice, God, that we would make a fresh commitment to you that, Lord, no matter what persecution comes, no matter what suffering comes, no matter what trial or tribulation comes, we have signed on to this deal. Lord, there's not one person that I would want to be lost, God, because their faith grew weak and weary that you tarried. Father, I pray right now for our brothers and sisters around the world who are enduring affliction. Lord, we pray right now for northern Iraq. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Syria and Egypt. Lord, we just ask right now that there would be a global movement of your spirit in the Middle East. God, I pray right now that we would look at our brothers and sisters in China and North Korea and that we would learn something about perseverance. Father, I pray that you would release an army out of this nation again of perseverance for the cross. God, I pray that we would not live for the frivolous things of today knowing that we have a better reward waiting for us in eternity. For the word of God says that moth, rust, dust will come in and thieves come in and steal this stuff in this life. But are you storing up treasures where the moth and the rust and the dust and the thieves can't break in and steal. The only thing you can take to heaven is souls. You can't take your stuff. All you can do is use the stuff he's given you to further his kingdom. Lord, I pray tonight that each and every one of us, God, that you would move in our spirit tonight. Would you guys stand to your feet, take the hand of the person next to you so you can feel life. I know I've gone a little bit over. Let's pray for revival for America for just a minute. Seriously. This nation is not lost. If Nineveh could repent, then America can repent. Lord, we ask right now, as a body of people, we ask, we come as Daniel. Lord, we confess the sins of our nation. We confess the sin of homosexuality. We confess the sin of abortion. Lord, we confess the sin of murder and violence and greed and hatred. Lord, we confess the sin of our own bitterness, Lord and selfishness and selfish ambition. And Lord, we ask right now that you would, you would allow your spirit to move in our nation again. That there would be a, a, a movement, a revival, an awakening. I don't care what you want to call it, God. I just ask that you would move in our country. And Lord, I pray that the markings of this movement will be humility. The markings will be humility and brokenness and intimacy with the man Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray right now 
that this nation will not be fooled by the television. It will not be distracted by the media. But Lord, I pray that the spirit of truth would fill this nation again. Father, let the spirit of truth fill our hearts again. In Jesus' mighty name. Can we give God some praise, man? Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Thank you, God. Would you guys give my brother Tim a hand again for coming out tonight? If you'd like to make a donation, feel free. Drop by the the ammo can. Put something in there for good love for the people of Nepal. Hug somebody standing next to you. Slap somebody a high five. Man, we love you guys. If you want to stick around, we have another service starting right now.